barns burnt down. Now I can see the moon. That's a haiku from Mizuta Masahide, a 17th century Japanese poet and samurai. I should have known about it earlier, but it wasn't until this summer that I heard that poem. And I heard it from my friend Scott, former student of mine in Denver, and he turned us on to it. He turned us on to so much more. He's not the only one. So many former students and new friends and old friends have given us wisdom, little nuggets of wisdom along the way. Some of these shows in this little series we're doing, we're talking about things we've learned as we've been traveling during my sabbatical along with my wife Stacy, and we're looking at people's experiences, we're hearing from them, we're catching up with folks we haven't seen for years, and in many cases these are people that we knew through religious contexts, through religious universities, church contexts, and sometimes they're not involved at all anymore. And yet, everybody, everybody we reconnected with has given us so much information. The barns burnt down, now I can see the moon. For many of us, as we got reconnected, we realized that so much had been jettisoned. So much of our lives seemed in some ways to have been wasted effort. But the, the big lesson was that once you clear out some of the, the clutter, you sell some of the junk in your garage. You let go of some of the things you were hoarding that weren't as important as the, as the most important things about life that we really find. There's a Latin phrase, docendo discimus, that means in teaching we learn. And I have to say, friends, that over the years, it's not flattery, it's not false humility, but I have learned more from students who have been earnest seekers of truth than from almost anyone else in my life. Now, on this show, we are going to give you a little grab bag, a little bonus treat. You know, when you go to a birthday party in the old days, maybe they do it today, you get a little bag and there's little gifts you get in the bag, little tiny little gifts. You might have brought one big gift for the birthday boy or girl, but you get to come home with little party favors. This is a show of party favors for you, dear listeners. And we give it to you because these are gifts that we have received and we know that if we pass them on to you, we will not lose them. But in fact, they will just increase in their abundance. Now, we have got a handful of these, these little nuggets that we want to share and they are all wisdom, but they're not one coherent theme other than wisdom from friends and former students. And then after the break, the second segment is an interview that Stacy and I did with... Uh, Amber. Amber is the wife of my high school buddy, Chris. And so Chris and Amber, they let us hang out at their place. They were so kind. I kind of feel bad about it because our dog kind of got in the way with their three dogs. But it is their fault because I got my dog because I fell in love with one of their dogs. It's a complicated story we will not get into. Point is, I do feel bad. They kind of deserve it because they got me into the dog business in the first place. In any case, that's a bonus conversation later. And We've known Amber for years, but we didn't know that she had a condition that we'd never even heard of called hyperhidrosis. Hyperhidrosis. I'm going to let you wait to the end to figure out or to learn about what that is, or you can Google while you're listening. But we're going to hear about how this condition affected her relationships and interactions with people professionally and at church. And the reason we want that to be here for us is because it may seem like, you know, what a 
Is this a Dr. Oz show, a medical show? No, this is about something that people have as part of their bodies. That is, that that there's so much of our lives that is actually not controlled by our willpower or our intellect, but our, just our physiology. And that sometimes affects our ability to or our comfort level when we're going to a religious community. And sometimes people get judged for not going to a religious community often enough, but they may have agoraphobia, or in this case, hyperhidrosis, or something else that people don't understand. And when people don't understand, they get a little judgy. And that makes it even harder to show up to a community. And certainly, when that happens, the community of unconditional love, graciousness, and welcome is thwarted. So that's another lesson. We'll get to that at the end. In any case, we're so glad you're with us. This is part of a short series of our travels and the things we've learned from the road, wisdom from the road. Let's go. Buckle up. We're not going to get in an accident. Here we go. Diving stations. Dive. Dive. Welcome, friends, to the Protect Your Noggin podcast. We offer lessons in outfoxing religious wolves. And sometimes we will address emotionally difficult subjects. So make sure you pay careful attention to our descriptions of each of the episodes. And then also have some resources handy, such as the Crisis Text Line. That's one of our favorites, which is 741-741. That's 741-741. Now, just take a deep breath because we're not afraid to go deep. But don't worry, because we'll also have some fun along the way. Our plan is to help us all resurface with insights and tools to help heal ourselves and our communities. So come along, because we got this. Where are we, baby? We are at Big Daddy's Grill in Fairhope, Alabama. How on earth did we find this little gem of a place? By the way, if you're in Fairhope, Alabama, or near Interstate 10, driving between this and that in the southeast, you should definitely consider checking this place out. It's a lot of fun. Had some delightful, delightful crab claws. You've been, yeah, you've been looking to get those somewhere, and we finally, finally got them, the and they were just tasty. There was a ton of them. I ate too much. <laughs> Took a two-hour nap. But we found out about this place because of the. Uh, this is through Boondockers Welcome, and uh, we were staying with another couple when we were in Florida that recommended this place because they've stayed here, and they said, "Oh, if you're going, if you're heading out west." And you're going to hug the coast. This is definitely a must, uh, a must stop for you. Mm-hmm. So, and how would we ever know that? <laughs> and you know, and the other thing too is we, you know, we didn't. We thought, okay, we'll enjoy the restaurant. We'll have a conversation. This, this, uh, the owner of the restaurant, he doesn't have his own rig yet, but he wanted to sign up for Boondockers Welcome to hear stories from people and get advice. Uh, so that's one way too, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you don't quite have your rig, but you can have the space to house somebody and your uh, your local ordinances allow for somebody to park overnight. Um, you can open your home up. Friends, in the old days, they used to have soap operas. And the reason they did soap operas is they would have a drama and then all of a sudden the soap commercial would come in. Let me just give you another commercial. If you go to our website... One of the things we're uh, asking people to do, if it's something that floats your boat, you can go on and you can click through on our page, protectyournoggin.org. You can click through to a couple things, Harvest Hosts and 
Boondockers Welcome. Those are the two ways that we found it's been really convenient and 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 really a joy. Absolutely. To to travel and stay places for free. That doesn't mean you're not going to you know get yourself some crab claws and some beer and so you know it's not free free there's no free lunch you don't get a free lunch but you do get a free place to stay and you don't even have to go get the lunch but you can get a lunch but the point is is that the the real value of some of these things for us has been that as we go from place to place and meet new friends they turn us on to new bits they give of wisdom. Us recommendations of places that we should go and I, I will tell you this this is the thing that I find most interesting about boondockers welcome is that when you sign up, one of the things you do is you say, what are the little bits of wisdom that you're going to share? Mm-hmm. So what we really exchange is wisdom. And and that's been part of the culture. So you, you show up and, and we give advice and they give advice. And so you're kind of passing on little bits of knowledge, which mm-hmm. is actually sometimes invaluable. But the, but the main point is, first of all, Alabama, it's November <laughs> as we're recording and it is it's not, it is not cold. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. We are, we are a little, a uh, little feeling a little swampy. And loving it because we're right by a river. <laughs> sometimes there are folks who are uh, feeling a little cold. In fact, it was maybe a month and a half ago when we were getting too cold in Leadville, Colorado, made our way to Florida, and now we're making our way back to see the kids, trying to get back before Thanksgiving. You might be listening to this after Thanksgiving, but as we're recording it, we are doing that kind of planes, trains, and automobiles thing, making our way back because we'd like to see the babies. They're not babies anymore, but we want to see the kids and have a really great time because Thanksgiving is the Mallinson family favorite, favorite holiday. holiday. Because yeah. unlike giving gifts, which is fun, we love Christmas, Thanksgiving is just receiving the gift that is. Well, and we and we love having a meal together. Mm-hmm. That's one of our family favorite well, things. Probably to part prepare. of the reasons is because we're such flighty parents. Like <laughs> we haven't been around in six months. You know, maybe we can make one dinner. <laughs> With some cranberry sauce, you know. No, that's but that is kind of true. We're we're always traveling and doing stuff, but uh, we we trust me, friends. We're not the perfect parents, but we do spend a lot of time with our kids when we're around because we love hanging out with we them. Do. We're off track here, but here's the point: as we travel, as we get to these places, we are so glad that we're at Big Daddy's Grill. They've got us a hookup, so we've got full hookups, and we're 15 feet from this little deck where we can go and. Maybe get dinner now. <laughs> Do round two, and yes. at least maybe get a get a beer or something, and sit there and watch the uh, uh, watch the moon go over the water. Now, we wouldn't have found that if it wasn't for the last people we stayed with, and they told us about this place, and it was meaningful to them. That's that's really that's really the human experience Abs- at its best. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I guess, much to our dismay, if you are coming through in Fair Hope, is that there's more things to do around here than we expected. Because we kind of just thought we'd go to the yeah. restaurant, have a bite. We're to on eat. our way to New Orleans <laughs> then... to see what the voodoo's up to. <laughs> and, and anyway, so uh, if you do plan, you know, maybe two nights there at Fair yeah. Hope if you're here over, or at a least get here nice and early. You know, check, yeah. Apparently, some of the whitest beaches ever, uh, according to yeah. a passerby, that whitest sand a... beaches. Yes, there may be diversity. We haven't checked in on it. <laughs> Yeah, white as sand. <laughs> right. Really, really nice beaches and things. And who knew? You know, like people don't tend to say, hey, you know what I'm going to do for my vacation, make my way to Alabama. Maybe you ought to. Anyway, so we're enjoying that. Let's get into the handful of wonderful bits of wisdom that we've learned. Baby, kick yeah. us off. Well, one one of the things kind of similar to Big Daddy's really fast is Casey Jones. We were there at their distillery. The Casey Jones Distillery. We might have mentioned Moonshine, it briefly. Kentucky 
they went they went legal. So Casey Jones, this is not the Casey Jones you may have heard of unless you're into moonshine history, <laughs> but Casey Jones' grandson, A.C. Jones, or Arlen Casey Jones, was our gracious host in Kentucky. He is the, the moonshiner's, you know, descendant that decided to make this thing legal now that, you know, you can, <laughs> you know, really an amazing place to check out. Uh, and and if you're if you're driving through that, I'd say they've got that place decked out. We may have mentioned just loving it. And by the way, we're not we're not getting promotional considerations no. for that. We're just saying when we find somewhere cool, we want to share it with you, the dear listener. And, and they they told us about a thing called Burgoo, which we didn't know. <laughs> yeah, you know. So we went to a local restaurant and discovered uh, this stew. wonderful soup um, or stew. Yeah, yeah. and. I mean, it was so flavorful. It was something we, you know, we kind of hadn't had anything I could like have died. that flavor. I could have died before I had burgoo. And I guess, you know, that's not the worst thing that ever happened. But I feel like I'm more uh, enriched as a human being. And the point is, you can't look that up on on, on, uh, on TripAdvisor. Let me, let me tell you something. <laughs> oh, here, here who, here, here's who we're not taking an uh, ad from. All right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it now. I'm going to call it right now, baby. We will never take an advertisement from TripAdvisor because TripAdvisor to me is just maddening. You say, what should I do in town X? And it just feels like... I mean, is I'm it, bored before I get there. Yes, yes, and then you know the, the Thumbtack yeah, Museum, yeah, yeah, number three. I mean, maybe that's the town. That's all they got. I mean, but I want somebody to curate this. I want somebody to tell me, you know, what's the inside skinny. I want locals to tell me. I don't want a basically a robot to just go through and figure out how many Google searches and hits you know came up with. The Sock Museum. Now, listen, if the Sock Museum is worth seeing, I'll go to the Sock Museum. But I don't need TripAdvisor <laughs> to just tell me that that's the number three thing that people searched for. I don't know how they do their, their thing. Yeah, I don't know either. But what, it... what you need to do is that organic experience of people telling people what to do. And Burgoo, friends, if you're in, uh, if you're in eastern Kentucky, is something to check out. <laughs> oh, you know, one more. One Unless more, you're a vegetarian. One more piece of <laughs> advice because this is, I don't know, like there's... It's a little different, but this is something, you know, when you're, we were, we were walking through, uh, Tarpon Springs and there were people outside saying, here, come to this restaurant mm. <laughs> and, and they had, you know, coupons. It was like, you can get a free Tarpon drink Springs, here. Florida is yeah. a little community where they fish for sponges and uh, it's a, a lot of Greek immigrants. Community. And man, I'm glad we went there. Somebody told told us to go there. Now the problem, though, is it's kind of like anywhere we travel—Hong Kong, Miami, or wherever—there's still hustle. You know, Hustle's a little bit dangerous. Of a hustle. And so when Where we do you want to eat, baby? Yeah, we're you know there's restaurant after restaurant, and we're you know the people. Some people are standing out in front and saying, you know, here, come and get. You'll get this discount. You can get this free drink. And then you look inside the restaurant; it's completely empty. And one thing we've learned, if we've ever gotten mm-hmm. tricked into going in, we didn't we didn't get tricked this time. But <laughs> when we have, uh, and somebody has persuaded us, we this happened to us in China, and and also I think something in Miami a long mm-hmm. time ago, not yeah. this time, um, that it was never a good experience. It was Almost like always over, the worst experience. We've overpriced had. food, because so you know yep. their their free or their discounts mm-hmm. <laughs> are off of usually their already higher priced items right <laughs> and then it just it it doesn't it's i don't know it never tastes what since this is a podcast expect. purportedly <laughs> about religion let me also say this if somebody <laughs> is really putting a hard sell on you for their religious group 
maybe you should second guess it. You know, sometimes you, you don't want to hide your religious treasure, but if you're putting a hard hustle on it, maybe it's a cult. <laughs> when you when you need to stand outside with flyers right. to get people to come in, or, to, or, or flyers around the community, yeah, in a heavy I think there's a better way. way. There's a better way to introduce them to. Oh, maybe it's what the perfect way to do it, <laughs> but it's not the place to go if you're looking for really, really good pissing shrimp in Hong Kong or really, really good spirituality at a church down the road. You know what I'm saying? Now, you want to be able to, to be you, bold you, in, in, in speaking what you believe is good, but when somebody's trying to hustle you in like it's a multi-level marketing you wanna, scheme. You want a friend to say... The red flag this, at least. You want you want a friend to say, this is the place you got to go. This has been life-giving for me. Right. I love this. I've enjoyed Word it. Word of mouth is the best advertisement ever. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> also, you can't churches, cults, you can't train people in evangelism if you're not giving them something tasty. <laughs> Sometimes people call me and say, hey, come on out and talk to me, talk to our community about how we can do better at communicating our message to the community. You know, how can we get people to come? And the answer is, be cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Do it be, right. Be now, this is not to want, say, want this to is come. not to say that if you're a beleaguered minority community, if people are are not loving the great things that you've got, just because you only have eight people gathering together right. and serving people that's, in the community. Yeah, that's no, but at the same time, that's how you grow it. In other words, the places that have really inspired me, I think of like Heather Davis. Mm-hmm. Heather Davis is a friend of ours. Uh, she she works, uh, you know, with Link a, L.A. Yeah, Link LA, and uh, she's she's up, you know, she's, she's up in Los Angeles. Speaker, yeah, yeah, and so she she says, hey, you know, come on up. We're gonna we're gonna, you know, we we feed feed homeless folks on on Sunday morning. Then we do a, a church service. We came up. Stacy made some some enchiladas. We got to get back up. But the point is, we didn't go because we were hustled into it. No, we went. <laughs> we went because we we could tell from her heart that this was something meaningful to her. And there weren't a thousand people there. It wasn't a mega church. It was a small, small community. But it they've got something special. I gotta tell you, they hugged the pain out of me that day. Mm -hmm, I went up there and I was like, oh man, I'm gonna, you know, get up early in the morning, drive up to LA, you know, make you know, bring bring the enchiladas. Now I'm terrified. This is this is so me. I'm terrified that the that the enchiladas aren't, you know, perfectly warm enough and I'm stressing. And then once I got there, when when the folks were hugging the hugging the sadness out of me. It was great. And so that's the kind of thing that's going to get me to join what you're up to. I don't need I don't need slick marketing, you know. I don't need a heavy hustle. I don't need, you know. Right. I don't need like a like a really great website, although friends, this is a, this is a side <laughs> issue since, since since you mentioned it, since I mentioned it. Yes. I will give you one piece of advice. There are a lot of churches that say, "How can we get people to show up to our events on Tuesday?" And the part of the answer is Make it possible for me to find you. There have been churches where I knew there was something going on, or it could be a church, or it could be a yoga group or something, mm-hmm. and I'll go online, and I realize they're pretending like this is an, a, an event for the community, and I, like, I have to find a, a private investigator to figure out where is this community, mm-hmm. what time is it, Right? is there somebody I can call to ask if I can bring my kids, 
Well, <laughs> right. How do we, yeah, how do we, where do we go for questions on any of it? Um, what time are your services? <laughs> Just make sure all that stuff is very clear. And also, if you do switch to like a summer schedule, yeah. make that really clear yeah. on your website right. as well. Right. Like it might not happen every week that somebody's <laughs> going to show up. If somebody's going to show up to your operation, you know, it could even be like the, you know, young business associates of, of Dubuque or something, you know, just keep that website updated. It doesn't have to be slick, no. but the hospitality of making me be able to get there. And this is the key. It's not about a heavy hustle for any nonprofit or organization. It's not about a heavy hustle. It's about the hospitality to the person who wants to dip their toe in the water and come to what you care about. Make it easy for them to know what that is without kind of forcing their way in. Because when it makes it, when you make it hard, they get the sense that maybe they're not wanted there. So mm-hmm. you could say all you want, we want to grow our numbers, but do you? Mm-hmm. Do you? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I go back to a show that, that uh, Dan and I did on the Virtue in the Wasteland podcast many, many years ago with the pastor named Jay Ranke, who was uh, featured in a documentary, an award-winning documentary. The, the movie is called The Overnighters. And this is with Jay Ranke. We interviewed him. It was a it was a powerful interview. But but one of the things that was interesting about that is that in many ways, I could imagine at his congregation, folks had sat around saying, "How can we get people to come to our little dying or small congregation?" And then when he finally got people in, <laughs> but they were they're not the, like the most savory people. Then everybody was upset. So part of it, you have to ask: Do you really want people to show up? Right. Do you, you know, want, you can you pretend know, you, you want that. Do you want kids that are gonna, you know, mess up, you know, put crumbs on the floor, and you when, know? Yeah, and, well, that's funny. Well, crumbs on the floor is the, the, the least of our worries. But I want to say that that was a lot longer than we expected for Arlen Casey Jones. We thought that was just gonna <laughs> kick us off, get us going, and um, but we're, we're we're gonna move through this. So that was that was our first bit bit of wisdom. Arlen Casey Jones taught us that the the value of mutual gift giving is far more potent and powerful than you would have ever expected. Second sage, Danielle. Danielle is a student of yours from Never will forget Danielle. <laughs> long time ago, um, early two thousand. And she grew up near Devil's Lake North Dakota. North Dakota. That's where the Jesus Camp documentary took place. Mm. There's the Jesus Camp, check that out. And she was an incredible student, really bright, really, really... She's one of your theology students. She was a theology student. So Danielle was one of those students that had come to your office, and she was processing through some stuff, but she, she had been harmed. She had yeah. she had suffered through some abuse. Basically, there was a, a piece of advice back then. And I didn't know what I gave her as advice. Given her. And she Terrifying. said, she, like said she found it upsetting. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm even <laughs> more scared. Saying. We're just hanging out. You know, we're hanging out in Denver. I'm just trying to have a nice casual. So this happened years ago, but she's telling us right now that, that you gave her this advice way back when. And again, she found it upsetting. And yeah. what it was that you told her was she didn't have to have a life of activism and that related to this she, trauma. Yes, she kind of thought that maybe she needed to make this a part of her entire life to help other people and you gave her permission not to. So that is a very individual decision for right. folks. Like you know, is it something that you want to take on and and 
will you know can you help people do you want to help people in that way is that something that you should be doing with your life she she thought that that's what maybe she was supposed to be doing but you can kind of sense a reluctance in her back in the day about that and so you you're well like, a reluctance you, to not do it right no but this is the thing and so then i was terrified let me tell you what i what i said and then then you can tell the dear listener i think what she thought about it now mm-hmm. but it was it was something where I realized that if I were in her shoes, I would make my entire career, my, my entire professional and life career about fighting that thing. And in many ways, that's what we're doing, mm-hmm. right? Like you and I are saying, we want to shift in the last couple decades, if we live that long, uh, of our, or three, <laughs> maybe four, um, but the last few decades of our lives, we want to be able to address some of the things that we think have been problematic. We want to, in a certain sense, crusade against badness. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I wasn't saying to Danielle that she, shouldn't. that she shouldn't. You were saying that she didn't have to. Because I realized that I would have felt burdened. That that was now, not only did I have to live through the traumatization, but now somebody else has decided what my course of life should be. Mm-hmm. And... And that that's what I have to to deal with. And I really actually, I'm glad that we're bringing this up because I want the listener, especially so many of our listeners, I think will relate to Danielle's life of, of. She doesn't, she didn't want to have to have that define her in the rest of her life. Or, and and yes. And, but also not just define it, but also dictate what well, I don't know do. if she wanted to or not, but I'm, I'm saying that's what I was telling her. I was I, saying that you are you are free not to do that. You could make that your lifetime crusade, but you're also free not to. I mean, let me give you an example. Your child is is killed in a car accident by a drunk driver. Mm-hmm. You are free to make your whole life about crusading against drunk, drunk driving, but you're not. You don't have to do that to make up for the pain, right? You're free that's a very to indiv- release. It's a very yes. individual decision. You're just some free. People, that's all I'm saying. You're free. For some people, that would be life-giving. For others, it would mm. be life-draining. That's the question. Now, this is why this matters. Because then I was I was relieved a little bit because I felt like, man, did I give her maybe bad advice? Because to be honest, I'd I'd really like it if you know Danielle could join us and 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 you know we could just right. go on this crusade and. And so you, you know. were telling her about all the different things that you're involved in nowadays and stuff, and and then she said, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a piece of advice for she you. She gave me advice. Yeah, she, she turned said, it back on me. Yeah, and she says, you know, uh, what is life giving for you? What when you are finished or or working on a project? Do you feel that you have increased energy or is your energy depleted? Right. I, at that very moment, I was seriously considering getting heavily involved, in addition to being a professor, podcaster, speaker, whatever the heck else I do, right? Mm-hmm. I got all these side hustles. I was seriously considering getting heavily involved with an operation related to science, which I really care about. But she realized, I think, that my personality is such that I am one who can try to catch, you know, all these dollar bills. And, when, you know, remember those little things where the dollar bills are flying around with the air? The fans blowing. The fans blowing up from the thing, and you're trying to grab them. Sometimes I think that would be the worst game for me because I'm going to try to grab all the dollars and get no dollars. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, this is a, I'm sorry, Enneagram, Enneagram 7. <laughs> I I am, you know, kind of a mile wide and, and two inches, you know, deep. 
uh, dilettantish. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really interested in a thousand things, and it sometimes don't have the, the patience to drill down into one. But then on top of that, you you want to help people, and so when yeah. they ask for oh, you yeah. to be a part of if something, somebody you wants have a really help. hard time saying no. Yes. And, and then I don't help anybody because I'm trying to help 18 people, and we're all drowning. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, what is it? What is it that increases your energy? And focus on a f- you know just a couple of those things yeah. or whatever that is, and and don't spread yourself too thin because then you're not good for yourself, and mm. you're not good to anybody else. Danielle had an interesting thing she said on a Facebook post. She actually spoke nicely about our podcast, which made me really happy because I respect her opinion. And uh, But she had said that, that as she's thinking about these things, like religious trauma, that she realized that there was a box, like a, like a little shoebox. Uh, I think she described it as like a tornado in a shoebox. Mm-hmm. And she just wasn't going to open it. She wasn't ready to open it. And I, I get that too. And what I mean is that I think what she had said on the Facebook post related to protection noggin was that the trauma that she had experienced that was explicit and obvious, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But when I think maybe she listened to one or two of our first episodes that she realized that there is a subtle religious trauma from the ideas themselves and that that has a deep wound that she can't even really deal with right now. And by the way, that's also okay. Well, like and, sometimes and she you was, can. She was sort of thinking of, of writing about some of her experiences mm-hmm. and stuff. And so she kind of sat down and started to begin and then realized, wait a minute. I she am not, doesn't have to write that book either. I'm not ready for it, you know, or I may never. I'll be. read it if she does. <laughs> I think it's important if you yourselves have uh, this tornado box of something somewhere mm-hmm. that you're not ready to open, that is completely fine and in that if, if what's working for you is working yeah then then keep going but if if you ever get to a point where you think that this tornado is busting out of the box then you might be ready to address maybe at least an aspect of it you or, might have no choice or the whole thing because it chaos may ensue mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're starting to work yourself into a little bit of you know more hectic and chaosness or whatever maybe it's time to talk to somebody or you know find a professional mm-hmm. uh, read some books or whatever you might need to to help address some of these issues but you don't have but to but you don't have to so when it comes sometimes you just got to you know it's like giving birth like, well the contractions are started let me give you an example i still have not seen saving private ryan and I don't think you ever will. Yeah, maybe I don't think so. I certainly won't see Schindler's List again just because I don't have the emotional capacity for it. I've got other things to carry, you know. So, you know, you go get yourself some good therapists and – or one at least <laughs> – and, and, and figure out when it's right or what's right for you. I'm not, we're not giving you psychological advice here. We are saying, though, that at a basic moral level and it you know, if if we're your uh, older friends that are giving you some advice, I think our advice is that sometimes you do need to deal with things when they're just kind of bubbling to the surface, but sometimes you do not have to. I'll also say one thing that was great is I felt really bad because, I, you know, Danielle paid money to go to college <laughs> and she paid my salary for a theology you know. degree and now she's is she doing anything with theology no she's not <laughs> going to church and stuff so but she found something interesting in the whole thing she found out that her theology degree was very helpful for her in marketing yep. she's applied it to marketing in the sense that she was able to understand the interconnection between people's values their beliefs communication it you know it's almost like in college you could study anything and see how 
the thing fits together, and it just kind of helps to train your mind to see and it connections. Gives you tools yeah. to then apply to other things and, and, and use it for critical thinking in, in various areas of your life. I have to say, over the years, Danielle, time and time again, always really, really both proud of her and astounded by the wisdom she's been able to uh, challenge us with. And I say challenge because she's not always no. going to give it to you easy, you know, but I really appreciate that. Yes. The next student. Now, you've introduced him in the beginning, yeah. and that was Scott. Scott, that, yeah, told us about the, 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 the warrior poets, the Japanese warrior correct. poets. And there's a few other things that. He's got a cool dog. <laughs> Let us hang out. Scott uh, Scott had, had, had a little tough patch recently. I mentioned some of the things that Danielle said and some of the things that Scott said only because I know that they have been public with on social media and other places with some things. But Scott is another student that is no longer connected with the evangelical church, but had I had run into him in theology. He was a theology student. I was kind of trying to figure out, right, what so what's the deal? What's your what's your take on the religious thing? So Scott had a really interesting metaphor that I don't think I'll ever forget and we were kind of talking about the way that so many of the students that I knew in the early 2000s that were studying theology aren't in theology. They're not clergy. They're not theologians. They're not even going to church. Yeah. They're not part of the system. And I was kind of asking him, what, like, what's behind that? Mm-hmm. And he had a really great metaphor. He basically had said, he's like, he's like, he's not looking for a better version of tofu. He likes tofu, but... He's In not- fact, he, I think he loves tofu. <laughs> <laughs> but His example was, like, there's a friend that says, hey, buddy, try this, try this tofu. And you try it. And you, you don't like the texture. You don't like the flavor. He says, wait, wait, wait. You just tried the wrong tofu. Let me try, let me give you the smoked tofu. Let me give you the fried tofu. (laughs) Let me give you the morel flavored, (laughs) the truffle flavored tofu. And I bet each of us probably has our own version of tofu of something that somebody's trying to, Mm -hmm. you know, say, well, you've got to This is skater church. This is the church that lets you have tattoos and nose piercings. This is the church where we, you know, we all quilt together, whatever it is. And And he was saying, sometimes you get to the point where there's something fundamental about the thing that you can't you can't repackage, you can't doll up. Now, friends, if you're with me, if you're with me, the sangha, the ecclesia, the church, the community, the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, there's something to this. Okay, if if whatever you're hustling is like tofu for our pal Scott, and they get to the point where where they're saying, I'm kind of gagging. On every version of this, there's, you know, I don't need a cherry flavored version of this. Mm-hmm. I don't need a contemporary or an ancient or a, I, there's something about it. The question you've got to ask is, is this person broken or is what you're hustling broken, right? Or it doesn't have to be broken. Could just be tofu's great, our friend's great, but they're just not connecting for one reason or another. And you kind of let that be. But the idea that we've, the idea we've gotten to in the 21st century is that marketing can solve everything, Mm. right? Like if I just figure out how to trick people into coming to my version of religion, then, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then what? Will they be saved? Then they'll be happy. Will they find peace? Or I'll be able to pay the bills or I'll be successful. I mean, you've got to ask so many questions when you're trying to hustle a different version of tofu. Anyway, Scott, thank you. I will never forget it. Young man, not looking for a better version of tofu. 
So we have to recognize that he's being honest and genuine with where he's at. Now, I will <laughs> say this, friends. I will say this. This is where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna really, to really be tough love. One thing that I did with the kids, you know this, baby. Our kids do not have to eat all their lima beans. <laughs> and our daughter-in-law-to-be is somebody who had a real hard time because her foster mom at one point like made her drink milk or something. Now yeah, she, she hates milk. Milk. Right? Yeah, right. You know, every night before she went to bed. So so there's a way in which you can make somebody so scarred by by whatever it is you're force feeding them that they're never ever gonna be able to deal with it, even if it's a beautiful thing. I think milk's great. Yeah. But if you force some kid to eat milk That's and what I was trying drink to milk, get at. Yeah. 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 That's, you can't that's do that. Exactly right. But what I did tell my kids growing up is they have to try it once. <laughs> that's all I'm asking so that they know what it is right you, right? you don't want to just single-handedly I, dismiss something thinking that you're not going to like it I bet some people listen to our episode where we were talking about unconditional parenting and Alfie Cohn and we thought they thought we were all hippies that didn't have any standards whatsoever we got a very listen let me tell you let me tell you we've got a very very serious standard and that very serious standard is in my family growing up if you were a son or any nephew or niece be honest, of <laughs> Jeff Mallinson. You came out with me, you're going to try one taste of that thing. Try it so that you understand it. We're going to do a future episode on tastes and smells and, and the spirituality of understanding why things make us repulsed. So that's a whole no- another thing because I, I think there's something really to it. But my main, my main thing here is that I think it's good for the kids not to say, well, little, little Kenny only eats chicken nuggets and french fries oh does he oh does he now all of a sudden loosey goosey hippie malinson is coming in and saying oh no we need some tough love here we need some tough love i need some fear of punishment and hope of reward whatever i gotta do not exactly that but we've got to get people to say hey could you just try something besides the chicken nuggets now listen there's some kids that have certain like there's certain personality types i get that but for the average student for most kids don't quickly go to the i don't do this yeah. or, you know, don't, just l- don't let them too quickly without trying it. only because that's going to have a long-term effect on making them actually i think stagnate in life you know i only date this kind of person i only watch this kind of movie i only travel to this kind of hotel well, it's sad because they can live an entire life without realizing mm. that they really love something mm-hmm. that they just never discovered until it was almost too late. Right? And I will tell you that I don't know what the kids are going to do, but they understand some flavors. And so now one of my favorite things about the kids, it was hard getting them there. But one of the most rewarding things is Aiden just loves going out with me. Like if you're Stacy, if you're out of town, <laughs> where, where am I taking Aiden? Just guess, quiz. Oh, I mean, it was oysters the last time. But. Oh, yeah. We went to Shuck, by the way, friends. If you're ever in Orange County, there's a place called Chucked. And that's where my son Aiden and I were hanging out. And we saw the drummer from, from Green Day. And we were hanging out and having the best oysters in the world. And they were great. Mm-hmm. And he was a little reluctant. And he realized a good oyster is a really good oyster. You know, so... You can't but just go to any old place if, if and get you're not, If you're not going to oysters, you're probably eating sea urchins or something like that somewhere. Sea urchin? <laughs> I'm going to let you off the hook on that one. I'm not going to force you. There's something. I I'll, have. You, yeah. you did force I'll me. I'll force you to have sea urchin. <laughs> when we were we were in China, we had a little family game going. Of, yep. That we, what was it that like. We, we had thought to, you were going to lose. You ate everything. We had to try everything. Turtle you soup. Would, you would get a point or something if, or 
Yeah, we we just had a game to see if you could you could you could handle it, and you had there was nothing you didn't try. We thought you were going to fail miserably, and you 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 stood up. I have, and you had all. victory. I you didn't it. love it all. No, no, no all right. I, not at all. <laughs> okay, so anyway. now Scott. The other thing about Scott, though, he also I was I was saying now how how did you kind of turn things around emotionally? Like you, he, he seemed to be in just a great space, and he basically said that he had to face death to find life, and he was really kind of at the end of like just like everything was his life had kind of fallen apart on him. But then when he faced the fact that he was okay with dying that it was okay that he lost everything. Yeah. That then he found life. He found himself again. He found yeah. a new way to sort of be and enjoy his world around him. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very powerful thing. I mean, he's not the first to do it, to to recognize that that staring down mortality, that idea that kind of turns things around where all of a sudden you realize life is there. I, I would say that the same similar thing that has happened in, in recent years for me. People always say, oh, life's so short. Life goes by so fast. I feel like I've lived an infinite life in the last five years. Mm. Once I've kind of come to terms with my own mortality, mm-hmm. it, well, I'm 45. Mm-hmm. I came to terms with my mortality when I was turning 40 and I was listening <laughs> to Bob Dylan and Aww. he was singing uh, The Senor. The great theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The great Bonhoeffer died younger than I am now at 40. Mm. Now I'm 45 and I'm still trying to get my stuff done. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sitting here stressed out today because I get get my stuff done, right? Mm -hmm. And Bonhoeffer done all this stuff and Augie lied or he was probably overly optimistic. But he said, if you had lived in the context that Bonhoeffer lived in, you would have done what Bonhoeffer did. And I think he's right to some extent. In, In other words... There was a culture where this is the kind of way you did university life. I'm not the kind of guy who's a fan of, of tyrants. And in some ways, I'm kind of looking for a Fuhrer to mess with, you know. <laughs> so so I get that. So in other words, I think what Augie was trying to say is that being a Bonhoeffer, standing up to tyranny, isn't about your ego. It's about just being honest mm-hmm. and just just having integrity, you know, and you would and have done that. You would have done that if you were in that context. Now, I hope I would, you know, and I'm a, I'm a scaredy cat. I can't even drive over bridges. So how do I face down, you know, Nazis? But facing, but facing that reality at 40 allowed me to say, oh, man, like every day is a gift. And like if somebody gave me, and I'm, and I'm not joking about this. I mean, I'm, again, I'm a big, big baby. But if somebody said, you know, you've got a terminal illness, I'd say, wow, like I got this far. And this terminal illness gives me six more months. Six months, you can do a lot in six months. You apparently can't finish your book in six months. <laughs> but you can, you, there's so much to see and experience. I mean, since we've been on this road trip, once we've changed the way we think about life, we realize that what's really going on sometimes is that we get into these ruts where, yeah, five, six, seven, eight years can go by where you're just drinking and watching football. But if you unnumb yourself, even with pain and suffering and struggle, you, you realize that every day, if every day is its own beauty and adventure and gift, life is incredibly long in a good way. Mm-hmm. It's rich. One of the things that I've noticed about a lot of Christians, they have the hope of eternal life. Okay. And so they aren't necessarily living this life, enjoying each day because they think the real thing is going to be what's after. And they miss out yeah. on the gift of what is right 
in front of them now, today, what yeah. they can do even next week or, or you know. But, That's a good point. But not always being in the future. You want to be here now because this is what you've got. You've got this moment, right? The angels envy embodiment. Yes. This, 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 this is, life is a gift. Yeah. And if we're always just looking towards the future and meditating, that's the truest expression of, of the gift of yet to come. That's going to be a beautiful gift too. spending all our time bickering, but we're, you know, you've got this life to live. So live it, (laughs) live it now, enjoy it now. And don't just keep waiting for the future. But back to Scott, one more thing he said to us, one of the things, and and this is related, I think in that same thing about face death to find life, Mm -hmm. he faced Maybe walking away from a, a relationship with his father yeah. to f- have it have new life, and so yeah. this is—I mean, what happened was—is he ended up there. Were, there were a lot of times when he'd be hanging out with his dad, and his dad would say jokes and things that he, you know he would kind of go along with, and, and they just wasn't buying he, it. Though. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't Maybe that happy with how they were yeah. relating. Yeah, so eventually he had an honest conversation with his dad. That was after this point, and he had this realization. So he had this honest conversation with his dad, and he's like. Look, if I don't find your jokes funny, I'm not going to laugh anymore. Mm. I, you know, I'm not going to pretend. Mm-hmm. I'm going, you know, I want a real relationship. And, you know, he risked the fact that his dad might decide, oh, well, you know, if this is how you're going to be, if you're going to stand up to me or, or you know, or, or not participate or, or tell me that <laughs> that I stink <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> sometimes with the things right. that I'm saying or whatever, um, that that maybe you know his dad wouldn't want a relationship with him, but then he realized that then that really isn't a relationship. By by being willing to die, and by being willing to die to the relationship with his father, he got life back and a relationship back with his dad. And now they hang out together, and he it's says really it's, they have a real relationship, and that and that he enjoys his time with his father. And this challenged us in some of our own relationships, saying, "Hey, maybe we can get some of those relationships back by, you know, growing a spine." <laughs> and just talking to folks about what's really going on. You know, I've got so many students that I could talk about. Maybe we'll keep doing it. You know, maybe that'll be a thing we come back to all the time. But Danielle and Scott, two students that I have to say, I've, they've always struck me as as haunting. I mean by haunting, unforgettable in terms of their ability to say, well, now wait a second, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think both of them, I mean, in many ways, Danielle and Scott are, are two examples of students that I think set me off on the trajectory that led us to where we are today with what we want to do. Because we realized that even though we, all three of us, if we were sitting around, we might have different opinions on politics and life and whatever, but both Scott and Danielle were people that were able to to think for themselves. And that was really inspiring in a world where people were taught not to do that, even yeah. though they were actually taught not to do that. And they just said, no, I'm going to mm-hmm. challenge you. Even right? though I don't go to church anymore, I'd say they're some of the true theologians that I've that I've taught. Now, as we were hanging out, we, we found ourselves in Leadville, Colorado, beautiful little mining town. And we, we were up there before the frost came and we learned something. From a really, really interesting author and well, and it's scholar. funny because you 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 knew this is uh, Amy Frickholm, and yeah. you knew that she was you know lived or you know maybe in that area or whatever, yeah. and you know it didn't really you didn't really like put it all together, but 
it's just weird because all of a sudden you're walking down the street and I mean, what's the chances? You're I mean, it's a small town, but maybe still, in a small town. You can, I mean, people, you know, what's, what are the chances you're going to see your neighbor three doors down? That's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> when you're hanging out downtown. What and, we're saying, friends, is I'm walking my dog down at like nine in the morning in in Leadville, Colorado, and I see somebody just walking down the street by herself, and she is one of my favorite scholars. All right, now check this out. She's an editor at the Christian Century. Her father was an interim replacement for me at a, a college called Trinity Lutheran College in Everett. So I left Trinity, and there was a guy who was living in the area that had retired. Her dad had <laughs> retired, and um, Johnson is his last name. And he he stepped in. I said, you know, he, he was stepped in as the dean re- replacement. Right for you. when I when I bailed when I bailed on the college. God bless Trinity. I was okay, she also wrote Rapture Culture. We interviewed her on the Virtual in the Wasteland podcast. We'll link to that at protectyournoggin.org. We interviewed her. It's actually a real fun interview about the whole concept of the rapture and the Left Behind series. She wrote a book on that. She also wrote a biography and some translations in there of Julian of Norwich, which is, I mean, Julian of Norwich, I'm, I'm, I'm so interested in, in her, a, a medieval English mystic. But she, you know, she just killed it with her with her book. I'll link to that. And also, when I was writing my book on sexual ethics, I was really interested in a book that she wrote called "See Me Naked." "See Me Naked" is going to challenge you if you're from a conservative religious background. But I beg you, you can hate me, you can hate her, you can do whatever you got to do. You can be well. Don't hate us. <laughs> just disagree. But. If you really want to understand what's going on in terms of sexuality in the 20, 21st century, if you read her book, See Me Naked, it just it recounts several stories of people from Christian and other kind of religious backgrounds dealing with their sexuality, various, various issues. It's not all one thing. She definitely is progressive, so if you just can't read somebody who's more progressive than you, then I guess don't do that. But she's not coming at it with a hard sell there. She's just telling the stories. And it's really important for everybody, everybody to understand if you're going to – look, if you're going to serve young people or if you're going to be a pastor and you're, you're super conservative, can you please at least understand the stories before you jump in to the dialogue? All right, and so See Me Naked, Julian of Norwich, Rapture Culture, all that stuff. She's this great scholar. So I see her in Leadville. And now, even though, like, professionally we've run into each other at the American Academy of Religion, or I interviewed her on the podcast. I had her speak at Colorado Christian University when I was a dean down there. But now here I am. I'm feeling younger than I was in 2005. <laughs> I, I think I look younger with the exception of the gray hair. I mean, just my dress, my demeanor. And I'm like, Amy. Amy, and I'm this fanboy. I mean, like, I would have pepper sprayed me, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, my goodness. You remember when you wrote that book? No, we had a more, uh, probably better conversation. So I said to her, I'm having so much fun here in Leadville. I want to stay in Leadville. We were living just out. We were, like, hanging out outside town just maybe seven days. And we were able to maybe drive six, seven minutes in from our free camp 
site, the most beautiful dispersed camping. We drove yeah, into it was, town. It was There's a coffee shop. We got a lot of work done there. And so I'm thinking, wait a minute, I can live for free in the mountains and, here. And, and we had we had internet access where we were free camping. I mean, it wasn't always the fastest, so it was pretty a good. Little, it was a little hit and miss, but for the most part, it was more hit than than miss. Make no so. mistake, everywhere I go, I want to live there. Okay, so I want to <laughs> live on the, the the farm. I want to live in uh, Miami. Like everywhere I go, I want to live there. I'm, that's just my personality. So I'm thinking, all right, I want to live in Leadville. It's cold. Now I don't want to go there. <laughs> well, and, she said she leaves in April. <laughs> yeah, well, and then and it did get cold way back yeah. at the beginning of our yeah. trip. That's so what we, had, that, we we moved, we wouldn't we, have gone to Miami if it wasn't for Leadville getting cold in late August. Yeah, we continued down into to Denver, saying cold we, relatively or speaking. Continued up into or no down down. So I said, hey, are there any are there any religion jobs in Leadville? And she said, there's no religion in Leadville. Which I thought was interesting. And the reason I think it's interesting is I always thought of a rural small town in Colorado as super fundamentalist. And friends, maybe, you know, maybe you've grown up your whole life in a church or a religious community. And maybe that's just like a big thing to you. And it is totally true that religion has such an influence on American society, mm-hmm. but not everywhere. There's Yeah, there's some towns that have, yep. you know, 10 churches within two blocks, right? And This brings us to our fifth Sage, Bill Callahan, an artist that used to be in a band called Smog, and uh, my my favorite album right now that I keep playing over and over is Have Fun With God. Bill Callahan, Have Fun With God, which is a dub version of his album Dream River. But I don't care about any of that. And I know that the purist will probably have some other, you know, you know, album that is the best. Have Fun With God. If I can only have one album on an on a island, that's the one it is, man. <laughs> it's the one it is. But he said something really interesting. Stacy. take us back to the beginning of our travels when we found ourselves in the oppressive heat, the oppressive heat of Tucson. Yes. And we it, saw him playing live. It was, it, yeah, it, it was outdoors. When we, were, when we were in Tucson, basically. Tucson. Hey, late, late summer. We loved it. Oh, we loved it. But lit, Tucson, outdoors. Yeah. It summer. Was, it was hot. That's a, that's a risk, man. And, and Give us ice packs. No, I love I, I love the, bumper, the bumper sticker that I saw there because it says a uh, Tucson a, a dry heat. Everyone says, "Oh, it's a, a dry heat." Dry you know? heat, yeah. <laughs> and no, the the locals there are kind of like, "We've had it, and mm-hmm. it's a dry heat." And mm-hmm. so we were there. We were at an outdoor concert. It was getting. It was. It was just really, really hot. We could kind of barely then, move. It was so hot. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this it just starts raining. Now, and now, can you hear it, friends? It's so, raining here, and it was right now. This is hot here too. So it just, it's just like a, like just the veil falls. Once the rain it let up, and there was just this coolness in the air. Like it just like it was. It just felt like 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 something had broke, and that mm. it was in a good way, and that there was there was relief. And Bill Callahan says, "Rain is Earth's." orgasm yeah and it just really seemed like that was appropriate at that Things, time yeah and you could say was that no that's not upsetting unless you've got a problem with sex and the body and things it especially in a world where especially in the desert and it made the night magical yeah. it was able you know there was something about the whole atmosphere yeah at the time that just adds but it did delay the concert a little yep. while and there's a, so and oh. sometimes rain you know, you have the rain delays. Yeah. One like, of the organizers was kind of stressing, saying, hey, everybody stay around. And there was some local Tucson person that said, hey, man, it's all right. Yeah. Don't so you th- worry about it. And that was so beautiful. It was like Tucson. God bless. 
Tucson, <laughs> one of my favorite cities. If I have the guts to deal with that heat, yeah. I mean, really, one of the greatest cities. It was so much fun. When I was in Tucson, it, yeah. I wanted to move to Tucson, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but but here we are. We're in Tucson, and I would say that this is actually a way of understanding the basic principle of Taoist philosophy. I think Taoist philosophy can be summarized by saying, "It's raining right now. You have a choice. You can sit here and be angry that it's raining and the water is hurting you. It's like ah, this it's cold. It's hitting my head. It's bothering me. It's making me wet. I don't want to be wet." Or you could say, thank you for this gift. Yeah. Is, I, I really think dancing in the rain, that, that experience, is the enlightenment of Taoism. Mm. It's not a religion. It's, it's a way of life. That's why we talk about Tao surfing, is that, is that you've got all this stuff. And if you spend all your time going, I wish it were different, I wish it were different, instead of just embracing the beauty of what is, even the challenges and the pain and sometimes the difficulty of the heat or whatever of what is, then you can have a really great time. That was number five. Sage number five. Sage number six, Ruben Moreno. Well, and the reason Ruben even came into this whole scene was because of the rain. So yeah. it's, it's interesting. Moreno is the, is the, the head of a, a really cool mariachi group out of Tucson called Mariachi Luz de Luna. And, and we've seen them. toured with Calexico is when we've seen them. I've seen Ruben... In Seattle, in Philadelphia, in Denver, he's definitely in, a, in Los Angeles, a in San Diego. Family favorite. My brothers will <laughs> hang out and talk to Mariachi Luz de Luna whenever they come to town. So, with the rain delay, they needed to buy some time to try to like get everything, the stage all ready again, and and, and mm-hmm. put up the set up the equipment and everything. So they had gotten the local mariachi band to come over. Impromptu. Is entertainment for all of us. And we were just floored because we are like, yay, this wasn't on the, my the schedule. Whole life, this wasn't on the list. You my know? whole life I wished I could just be hanging out. And t- I said, it doesn't probably happen. You know, you go to a place, you go to a city, and you think it's going to be one way and it ends up being lame. I figured, could I ever make it to just hang out at a good old time party with a small group of people hanging out having a good time listening to music, and Mariachi Luz de Luna is hanging out, and we're just having a great time. I never thought in my, in my wildest dreams that I would ever actually do that. Now, I knew I could see them if they were playing at a, a theater, mm-hmm. but just to see them as mariachis. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you, you think you've seen mariachi. You've got to see this cat. No, it, it, it's a whole it's, different trip. It's great, yeah. A whole different trip. I said, you know, like, man, it's so great like, that you came out. Like, it's so great to see you. And he goes, you know. We're just playing across the street for the rest of the night. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny because he wasn't on the schedule for this, the, this. This whole thing we were a part of was like these multiple concerts that were all together under like a festival. But it was like... You, we'll uh, link to the festival address. You, you, you pay for which concerts you want to see. And, or, you know, it's a some great of them way to do a festival. Some of them are free. And this then, ain't no Burning Man. This is a city <laughs> putting out the arts. Right. And so often... The, Rolling out the... Often the tickets were yep. somewhere between... 10 bucks to maybe sometimes free 20 and sometimes free for we'll link to it you've got to hit it next year but he wasn't on the list to play yeah. and and we were you know we would have loved for him to but it, it, it it's one of those things where i think the lesson that we learned from him is that there first of all are angels amongst us because yeah. right there he plays right across the street we didn't even realize and if nobody knew and if people don't know who he is they just think, oh, there's just a mariachi band, seen it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And he is this this artist that travels the world, mm-hmm. and, right? But he's also a working musician. Exactly. You and, know? And then the other part of it is it's hard to be a prophet in your own hometown. Yeah. It's a line from Jesus, he yeah. Didn't, he didn't really... He plays next door. I thought he should be a headliner. He, he wasn't even thought of from the the people right. who were planning the, right. the concert to and be maybe, somebody. And maybe, you know, I don't want to knock them. No. I'm just, but I'm just saying, like... 
people generally speaking, pop culture kids aren't necessarily thinking that's that's the way to go. But, uh, they play with Calexico. But then the silver lining is that when they needed an impromptu person, they had an amazing amazing band to come in and, and step in and entertain us, and we got to benefit from yeah. it. Yeah, so I mean, it was fortuitous. It was just the most, to me, of, of all the wonderful things we've seen, one of the most magical things that we've experienced is being able to see Mariachi Luz de Luna just play during a rain delay while we're just having a beer outside of a hotel. I captured a, a video a little bit. Did and you if, get a little and bit? If it's, if we'll it's good enough, maybe I will post it on the show At least we'll get a picture. Check that out. Now, because of that, I want to say, let me take you back. We are done. And the next part is just bonus. If you want to if you want to bail, it's fine. But you can hang out with me and Stacy, my man Chris, his wife Amber, old friends. We go back. In 2001, me, Stacy. Stacy's pregnant. I was youngest. pregnant with our youngest, yeah. And my brother's... And some friends, we we all went down to a place in San Diego. It's a great venue, a great venue called the Caspar. The Caspar, it's a music venue in San Diego, and Calexico, one of my favorite bands, is playing at the Caspar. Okay, my whole dream in life has been to be on a legitimate recording. Okay, and I I not. <laughs> I've done other things, right? But musically, like, that, that was something I always wanted to do. But there is one track that a legitimate musician played where I am on the album. I am not playing an instrument. I am intoxicated, <laughs> and I am standing very close to the front of the stage. To be fair, I'm a young man at the time, 2001. I mean, I'm not that young. I think I just finished my DPhil from Oxford, so I should have known better. But I was a little bit, um, a little bit intoxicated. And maybe doing a little bit of a, a cultural appropriation, but I was having fun. We were at the Caspar. Mariachi Luz de Luna's plan. Calexico's plan. This is their encore. This is their final song. And at the end, I want I want you to listen for it. Me and some of my brothers are there probably hearing it. But if you hear a guy going, ha, 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 that is yours truly. <laughs> That's me getting silly, trying to get into the mariachi flow because I was just, I was in the spirit. But I'm just telling you from the bottom of my heart, I was never having so much more fun. And the fact is, when else are you going to play this track? So at the end, a dude making silly, like, ha, 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 sounds. That's me at the end as the, uh, as the thing goes out. And then we'll get to our interview with Amber. She's going to tell us about her condition and how that's affected her interaction with folks. Old man, he spoke of meanings lost and without name. Never shifting from their worn and weathered space What was lost in the endless search for truth behind the tale Beneath the ashen ember There's only one story to tell
You're here, Stacy. Where are we? We are in beautiful Castle Rock, Colorado. Underlooked, underappreciated. And we Great are town. at the home of two of our dearest friends. Yeah, we always Chris visit them when we traverse this great nation. Absolutely. Chris and Amber Frohart. I knew Chris back in eighth grade, seventh grade. He was the drummer in our garage band. He moved out to Colorado the year after we left Colorado. <laughs> I think that was on so, purpose. Yeah. But besides that, a plus, yes, A plus, plus friend, and, and Amber. They've been married for sixteen years. Yes, but it was funny because when I think back, that's I see the pictures on the on the wall and how beautiful this this uh, this this time was. I thought it was just it came off without a hitch, uh, except for my my uh, my toast, which I thought was inappropriate, uh, <laughs> and there was a drunk guy in the back. Like ha- heckling my toast, it was a that part. See, so Your I think toast about. Was fine. I think about the anxiety. The only thing when I think about that, actually, there's two anxieties. One is you guys got married the weekend after school started, mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, yes. flustered, Having to and so I like, raced out there. But the second thing was the the uh, the sadness that I was heckled for my speech. <laughs> so like one of the best days of your life, except there was one anxiety you had. Tell the good listener. 
what this anxiety was? Uh, my excessively sweaty hands. And I always, since I was very small, always worried about my wedding day and having to dance with people and hold hands with them because my hands just sweat profusely. And thank you for doing this because you let us all, we all got to dance with you. Uh, the gentleman. Yeah, and I had you know, no idea that that was ever. We had no idea. I had no idea. I don't, you I don't contemplated. Know. We've, we've known you longer than you were even married with Chris. Yeah, and, hey now. And yeah, you've been no suffering idea. with this you, silently since I was nineteen. Yeah, and this well, is, I mean nineteen. You, 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 when you I were, met you guys, and and this is bigger than just those. sweaty hands. Yeah, you, you, you this kind isn't of, just a. You kind of call it sweaty hands, but. Mm. Tell us a little bit about this condition. It's a name. There's a name There's for it. There's a name. There, it's called hyperhidrosis, and it just makes you excessively perspire in whatever area you're cursed with it in. And so for me, it's it's hands and feet, but if it gets real bad, everything will kind of be sweaty. So, so there's an easy fix for it. Uh, easy, not so much. Like there <laughs> well, is now. When, when, yeah. when, that was originally. Me, no, yeah. it's a joke because because just a few few weeks ago, was it you met? Uh, a young woman that came into a place, you were getting your hair done. Yes. Uh, a little girl, she's in junior high, um, and she has the same condition that I did or do. And she thought she was going to go to the doctor and get cured, and then she had just discovered right before then that the doctor really doesn't have anything for her. So and This is called, again, hyperhidrosis. Hyperhidrosis. And you've, you know, you've Seems obviously s- suffered this for your whole life, and, so, yes. and you've looked into many different treatment options. Yeah, there was a few, none that were great. They all had, like, horrible side effects. So, so what are some of those side effects? Uh, there was one, you could take a pill, which I did during our wedding, but it made everything dry, made your eyes dry, made your mouth dry, made everything dry. Um, then <laughs> oh, there was terrible. And it didn't even work very well on my hands. It just made everything else So you're really sweating dry. on your hands, but yeah. you've got dry mouth. But I, like, can't blink. <laughs> yeah. Dry eyes. You can't blink. Yeah. No. It's the worst. Um, it's actually yeah. one of the worst. At the time when you're, like, trying with pictures and everything, yeah. you know, oh, that's the worst. Yeah, so and then and there was another surgery where they have to deflate a lung, cut a thing, and all that kind of stuff. But then you could start sweating somewhere else. That would be a surprise somewhere else. So it just none none of it was great. So wait, when 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 a doctor's asking you about the deflation of a lung, yeah, like is that is that medieval? Like we're gonna just uh, lance your eyeball and to have be a leash? completely honest, <laughs> I only ever heard about. I never used to get my nails done. Mm. Because my hands would sweat profusely. So I would, people would talk in a different language, come over to see the, the freak whose <laughs> hands are sweating, talk in a different language, laugh, ha, ha, ha. And then eventually the person that's doing my nails would say, oh, you know that there's a Chinese doctor. He, they do the surgery. My, they all have a cousin or a friend who suffered from the same thing. It was just coincidence. And they could go in through your armpit, deflate along this. I don't even know if it's really true. I think it, it is because so I looked weird, into but like, it. But, but yeah. deflating a lung for sweating. Because I have I, to get to a gland or a nerve or something in there. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. Well, that still sounds very risky. Again, something there's no, I wasn't There's willing no to do. baseball team wearing a certain color for this condition. <laughs> no. There's no you there's know, parent awareness uh, committee. Like you're, this is this is so sad because poor Amber, she's struggling with this thing, and it's not entirely uncommon. How many people do you think ha- have? This? It is one percent of the population. So if I'm looking at like a, if there's 300 kids in a baseball, in a, like a little like a baseball, well, 300 kids don't go to baseball. It's either like a thousand. <laughs> so if like there's 300 kids in a, in a high school gym, at least three kids 
are suffering from this. are suffering from this thing where their bodies are doing something that they that cannot they don't control. want to do, and they can't yeah. control it and it has so many social yeah effects. such as this middle school girl you said that you yeah. terrible had, had yeah. come across in the the hairdresser yeah. so explain a little bit about her story so well she had just gone to the doctor with her mom hoping for some sort of antidote or whatever and there was nothing so she was upset she's crying i don't know her personally but she deals with what i dealt with my entire life so she's got to wear a sweatshirt around her waist all this stuff at school it just makes you withdrawn mm-hmm. you know socially a little bit did you bit. ever try those 1980s headbands because those were always cool, but I didn't My have a face reason. didn't sweat. I don't even sweat when I exercise. It's just my hands and feet profusely. <laughs> like, I don't... Like, Chris gets more sweaty than I do when we exercise. He's, right. His shirt is drenched. Me, I'm not, I don't, like, get sweaty for that. So, no, I did not need a headband, Jeff. So oh, tell, yeah. t- tell us a story, though, of a time... This obviously must have impacted your life. We mentioned the wedding. Oh, um, yes. Can you tell us about a time when this had an effect on your social life or work life? Yes. Okay. I, there's a lot. So I'm going to, I'll tell two. One early life as a child, you worry about the, you know, holding hands with a boy is the first thing that you do. You hold hands with a boy. You, you, you go out, you hold hands with a boy. Yeah, that's, that's I a thing. would never hold hands with a boy. So like, Oh, you're skate. He's on the skateboard. You're walking. I'm not going to hold hands with you. Uh, I'm just walking. Super you tense. You don't look like you're interested. No, and- no. And that's fine. I mean, I don't know. Well, you know, <laughs> I eventually worked it out, but, but yeah, you so that, married, but- that's early. No, that's terrible. That's like, yeah. that's, that's a like thing. the first. Yeah. Like, did you ever, but did you ever explain it to any of these gentlemen? No, no, so, not at that age. Yeah, I didn't. I did later ignoring. in life. You know, but then also, okay, I was in the fifth grade taking a spelling test. You used to have the long brown strips of paper with the little blue dotted lines, and you're taking the spelling test, and my hand, as I'm writing on with the pencil, absolutely soaks the paper. Oh, oh no. So you didn't write, get into high school uh, no, AP tests? No. <laughs> no, like I used to actually wear sweatshirts regardless of how hot it was so that I could pull the sweatshirt up over the base of my palm so I could write on the piece of paper without the paper getting soaked. But there was a fifth grade teacher that held it up, which was stupid because like my name, my name's on the paper. He knows whose paper it is, but he holds it up regardless in front of the class and says, what, what is this? What is this wetness? Like, oh, no. the, yeah, but like, you know who, you he know brings who your it shame is. to the front. But I didn't say anything. We all just kind of got quiet or whatever. Oh, like goodness. nobody answered. So those are two early childhood memories. There's oh, so many Nintendo and I, and controllers I, and stuff like that. And I bet the teacher is probably just thinking something got spilt or yeah, maybe so. some hooligans, no. some shenanigans. Yeah. But like my name's on the paper, man. But yeah, and then older, like later in life, job interviews. You know, it, when my hands start sweating and everything, everything starts shaking. I have to, I have to hold everything tense. Like it just, it just affected every part of everything of my life like you can't you don't have confidence you don't you have to worry about what you wear this that whatever like the things well, that do normal people don't have like, to worry about like like neoprene well or? you can <laughs> you couldn't wear i couldn't wear high heels because if i wear high heels it they're gonna squeak oh, no. and like flip-flops it's sweat's just gonna you shoot out of them you can't contain it's it. a true story it's i'm gonna have a wellingtons puddle. 
I'm, I'm not trying to I don't make, know make what fun those of you. Okay, so the wellies, uh, like the, the, the galoshes. Like the, you know, like the, <laughs> the like bushes. Your... Like almost like rain. Why is this? Why is this gal coming in here in a, in a pantsuit and galoshes on I a sunny day? Like boots, like Uggs. I, I think I know what the, the <laughs> yeah. Christmas present no, should be. I don't want galoshes. I'm cured. I'm cured. <laughs> true. But we'll get there no, in a second. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, so that. It, it it just affects every aspect of your life, really. You were telling us a story. I think you were recently. Um, I, th- I think did you go? Did you go on assignment with your husband to a work thing? <laughs> yeah, I, okay, I know the story, caught. but I got to go back on oh because gosh, so that was a bad one. so yeah. so my man Chris is an appraiser, and what's one of the things that's sad and beautiful about this is that uh, my my family business is appraiser, mm-hmm. and I have uh, only risen to the top of the ranks when I wanted to, you know, in, a, in an organization. Um, never been fired in my entire life, except for one job, uh, appraiser, running appraisal for my paps, because I have no sense of directions. I get lost all the time. I'll be in Ventura when I'm supposed to be in Pasadena. One job, got fired from it, and the, in those days, we had to use the Thomas Brothers Guide, which was like this big, thick It's different now, Jeff. Book. Right, I didn't have <laughs> any GPS. <laughs> but my man Chris, my man Chris is like one of the, the, the world's greatest appraisers, the greatest appraiser in Colorado. He loves maps. <laughs> he doesn't need a map, though, because he, he can use his, his phone now. This is a thing that, that could have saved my job. So one of the things you do on an appraisal, you, of course, have to do a, an inspection of the house. And one thing I will say in real estate appraisal, people overestimate how important it is for them to pick up the little pieces of litter in the living room. Right? Like, they, like the, that's not to, true. Don't say that. No, it is totally true. People get really, really worried. Like the dust isn't there. Oh no, it's like dusty. It is not going to affect the value of your home. Oh, I thought you were saying the opposite. Okay. No, yeah, no, no, I'm saying what he's people, to say people is care like, about the dust yeah, on the mantle, you know, that not matter. that they don't have a pool yeah. or that they, sometimes, you know. Sometimes they'll I like make sure that you've important. got the vacuum lines and the carpet. Yeah. Yeah. That's not we're, going we're not, we're not, to matter. When, you appraisers know, aren't going to see if they want to buy the house. They're looking at the bare bones. How big is it? What are the other homes going for? But in the real estate world, people... They get really worked up about their 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 rugs. Yeah. So you know you go in, you're seeing a vacant home, you're doing a tour, and you got to put these these like hazmat booties on and so forth. People really care about their rugs, but some of these knuckleheads. And I'm not trying to condemn anyone. Good listener, if you have a white carpet, go with it. Uh, f- you I, know, fly your freak freak flag. But a white carpet, carpet when you've got white guests. White carpet is so hard. Oh. White carpet is so hard, especially if there's ever a kid that runs through there or anything. It's crazy. Anyway. Uh. So, Chris appraising a White House. No. What is it? He's appraising, He's a, house appraising a house with, with, white, with carpet, white carpet, I believe. Well, that's good. What does this have to do with Amber? <sighs> Chris is appraising a house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's got white carpet. It does. Pristine white carpet. Take it from there. We're in the middle of the desert. I just go along for the ride. It's a Saturday or whatever. I'm going to go. We're going to take a little car ride, have some lunch on the way back. I'm going to sit in the car. Romantic. I have flip-flops on. We're in the middle of the desert. Dust and rocks. The guy notices that I'm sitting in the car and insists that I go into the house. I do not want to go into the house. The I would guy is... The, car. the owner of the house. No, I mean, but give me, give me some demographics here. Oh, I don't even know. Middle-aged, 
blankety blank. I have no idea. Blankety Chris, blank I, means yeah. white guy? Yes, white guy. Uh, white guy, white carpet. <laughs> I don't think it would matter either way, but yes. He was well, actually he a, a white guy with old... black carpet. Okay. But yeah, no, white guy, <laughs> white, white carpet. White carpet. <laughs> no. So this is good. This, <laughs> this is absolutely is perfect. Awful. Yeah. No, uh, but he's yeah. like 55. Like, uh, older Something like, like that. No, he's a 55-year-old gentleman, so, somewhere around that. I don't know Song that the age matters. Oh, it matters. Because, because what I did Because he's like some 22-year-old <laughs> frat boy. You can just deal with it, yeah, right? Like true. frat boy, like, that's I don't true, know. I'm sitting on your carpet. Yeah. Okay, so I go into the house. Chris is, is measuring. He's trying to keep me occupied being a nice host. <laughs> measuring the square footage. There's a cat. I, I am sweating. I have flip-flops on. My feet are freaking sweating. And I know it. And your hands are sweating. But I don't want to move. Everything's sweating. Yes, my hands, my feet. But there's a cat. So I, I kneel down and I'm distracting. You know, I'm just trying to act distracted by petting the cat. The cat is becoming wet now. Now, did you, did you ever think about petting? Fur. Did you think about petting the cat in order to remove <laughs> the perspiration from <laughs> your hands? No, I mean, I'm just trying to pet the <laughs> cat. To... So I don't have to like <laughs> walk good. around. The sweat is, is rolling off of my feet and my flip-flops that are covered in dust, which is creating uh, mud. <laughs> oh, you've got carpet. desert dust on your feet. Yeah, now you've got it's mud. It's, it's and a just, really wet cat. It's dirty sweat. And it's in the shape this of a flip-flop. This is like flip something about Mary. Oh, no. It's in the shape of a flip-flop. It is something about Mary. This is my life, though. So I'm petting the cat. The cat is soaking wet. The guy doesn't know yet. Well, the guy's wife comes in, and he's standing in the living room talking to me. Chris is nowhere in sight. What are you doing in the living room? Talking to this lady. So she's already mad. She's slamming groceries around. So you're just, stuff you're just like the that. lady just standing in the living yeah. room. Hi, oh, you don't hell, have a notepad freezer, with you. But like, you why is this lady stick? here? No, yeah. Why is she here petting the cat? Why is the cat soaking wet? So eventually he like notices. This is like one of those, like, those weird games you play on a road trip. Right? It's not a Woman one. comes in, knocks another woman unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> Two puddles of, of foot marks of mud on the floor. On the but no mud on the way in. It's like the mud started in the middle of the carpet. <laughs> it's she like, was wait, killed with an icicle. This, I always said this because do you remember that one where it was like it starts out where there's a dude with snorkel gear in the middle of Joshua Tree dead stuck in a tree yeah. so you gotta figure out and it turns out that he was he was like a, a, a parashooter or something like for that. the fire he's like a firefighter guy or something um, like this I right so how do you get there so now the question is he's mysterious to mud feet yes. in the middle of the white carpet and lady who's not having it because no. you're, you're there she notices <laughs> what is this stuff on the carpet dear listener if you're gonna have an appraiser come to your house can you tell your spouse just save a lot of gentlemen and ladies some 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 heartache <laughs> and some trouble. And let the wife stay in the car. No, no, no. Know, the wife, the car wife can go wherever the wife wants to. We're liberated. I'm joking. But if she yeah. wants to stay in the car, just let, let it. it be. All yeah. Right, I'm sorry. So long story short, stuff all over their carpet. Their cat is wet now from my hands. The wife says, what's all the stuff on the carpet? I pretend like I don't know. So I'm just like, oh, That's maybe it was the cat. Part of maybe like, the cat peed. Is it the like, dude's fault? Yeah. So <laughs> then, the, like, oh, maybe it's the cat. Well, the cat's wet. Well, that makes sense. A cat peed. The cat peed on his fur, peed on the floor. All this kind of starts to make sense. Medium but then I, I kind of start getting backed into a corner where my flip-flops, like the actual print of my foot is on their carpet. And it's pretty obvious it's coming from my feet. Mm-hmm. So... 
I don't know what else to do. I just turned around and walked out the door. That's my favorite part of the story. That's it. <laughs> I had nothing else just, to say. No, like, I got nothing. Those moments like, when you're just so... I tried. You're, you're in such a weird spot that yeah, you just, just either it. crawl under a rock, but I like your version. This just was go. the only time in my life <laughs> I could ever remember just going, I'm out. Like, I, I gotta go. Like, there's nothing. Check, I have nothing. Please. I'm so humiliated. Like, I gotta go. And oh. as I'm walking out the door, it transitions from carpet to hardwood. My feet, with every step, is flinging sweat onto oh. the hardwood floor. So oh. not only did I leave footprints, but also a little trail of, of, of splatter of sweat out I, the door. And I know we're laughing a lot. We're laughing. But, but this is no, real. It's, 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 it's But you said you were humiliated. I mean, it this was is, aw- it, this well. Is, it wasn't awesome. <laughs> it, but this. So you find yourself in these tough situations. It's the human. It's the yes. human tragedy. Yes. It is your particular tragedy. Yes. You find yourself in these uncomfortable situations where you're trying to figure out: Do I explain it? It's just you such know, a weird do one. I walk but away? yeah, it's, and it's embarrassing. But this yeah. takes us to church. Oh yes, friends. There's a thing called the passing of the peace, and it is a time-honored tradition, and uh, it, it goes back many many generations. And it's this idea that before you you say take communion which is this, this kind of family feast, this family that's beyond family, this new family of the people of God or whatever, you're, gonna, you're going to make sure you reconcile with each other. So as you're in that room, you're saying to each person there that you don't have hard feelings. This made a lot more sense when everybody went to church in like a really close town so everybody knew each other you know, really well because they were part of the town. But still, the idea that you are, you're giving that peace. And when we pass the peace, baby... What do we use? What is the what is the what are the mannerisms? And usually shake a hand. But mm-hmm. this also happens too. If you don't have a traditional church that passes the peace, even just greeting yes. the, when you know you Lots get everybody of there, you greet and greet just, your and, neighbor, friend. Yes. Tell them Jesus started. loves them. Exactly. Every and, church we ever walked into has a shaking hand. Oh, and the sh- and every church you walk out of pretty much yep. people shaking your hand on the way out. Yep. So basically this takes us friends to a very poignant crux in the story and that is amber frohart mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. when you hear the word church is there a little part of you that feels that agony that humiliation that 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 anxiety about the fact that you got to shake hands to get in shake hands while you're in and probably shake hands on the way out uh, it was always like <laughs> we planned church to be late on purpose <laughs> past the music I kind of hang out in the back. Nope, they haven't shaken hands yet. I'm going to like, I'm going to walk up late. I'd rather be late than have to shake hands. And then, and then when you leave, but, but, but I would try to excuse myself from the handshake sometimes. Like there's germaphobes. There's other reasons like, oh, I'm sick. I'm sorry. Whatever. Fist like, bump. Yeah. But, but if somebody's reaching their hand out, I would say on occasion, you don't want to shake my hand. I have very sweaty hands. And they would look at me like, Oh, no, I don't care about your sweaty hand. Shake my hand. I would shake their hand, and then they had also underestimated the amount of sweat coming out of my hand so that I instantly see their face change in shock, and then they have to wipe their hand on their pants because now they have to shake other people's hands. But yet, like, the church thing was always an issue, but, like, we would try to find our, like, ways around it to avoid it. I volunteered at a preschool thing. I love babies and all the stuff, but you got to hold the babies. Oh, you got to hold the babies. You got to hold the babies, the and now the babies' well, clothes are it's, wet. It's great <laughs> if you have somebody else's baby. Like I always liked it when we had babies. 
Damn because it. then I could avoid. To, I would talk to you, but my son's getting fussy. Yeah, and then I just—it's like almost like an introvert move where you can kind of. But no, this is. But also, here's your baby back, and its yeah. shirt is soaking wet. I guess I can't. I'm even very know sorry. The I'm extremely sweaty. Like, <laughs> and then they're wondering. And then they're wondering what's like what's yeah. wrong with you? Well, you Why are you so nervous, is there lady? A, is there a background check <laughs> yeah. for your yeah. priest, your I'm sorry. This is the first time I've been allowed around children in like a very long time. Oh, no. If you're a part of a more progressive church, because Colorado, they, you know, you're, we were. We're in a purple state. We were saying earlier before we recorded that, that one of the things about Castle Rock that's fascinating is we were in a cafe and the music on the radio was Christian music. <laughs> Contemporary Christian music yes. was on the radio at a public cafe. Now, let me tell you, as a, as a denizen of uh, fine establishments all around the world, that has never happened to me ever. But as I look outside, I see that there's a, a weed dispensary. And I think, well, this is interesting. So you got the purple, you know, it's kind of like the balance, the yin and the yang of, of culture. It's not a cultural war, but it's this culture balance between the hippies and the cowboys, you know, the evangelicals and, and the freaks. But Stacy then tells me, tells me well, it, think, it wasn't a weed dispensary. I think it was just CBD. Just CBD. Oh, and yeah. friends, it, if you don't know the difference between yeah, CBD see, and other weed, this is basically... Yeah. Chris's mom is Sue Frohart. I could probably convince Sue Frohart to put a little bit of CBD oil on like an aching uh, elbow or probably. something. But I don't think, and I, this is, I'm just going on, a, you, you tell me on behalf of your dear husband, yes. could I convince no. Mrs. Frohart to just no. sit there and no. just rip a bong? No. <laughs> not a chance. Hit a couple joints. No. Nope. So, not going to happen. So what I'm trying to say is Colorado, depending on where you go, is going to have a different... Uh, yeah, there's different. There's a little <laughs> different, different vibe. And Castle Rock yeah. is definitely a more conservative. I think yeah. Castle Rock a little conservative. So it made sense that there Noah's, Ark, store, Noah's Ark option was one of the kid menu... I don't, you know what? I'm wondering, though, what were they Where's selling the that said Noah's Ark? <laughs> you know? Like, I can't... I don't know, like the animals, like two two animals of each, you know, like two eggs for two chickens, two pigs for like the sausage, and it's going in your mouth, which is the Ark, you know what I'm saying? We digress. The reason I bring this up is that you probably didn't go to a church where women could be pastors. But if you did, then you, I would say, should reverse your the thing that we're going to talk about in a second on how you fix this situation. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine if you were just like a nun, you could like have holy water. You could just like make the sign of the cross and you could be like a superhero. <laughs> can I convince you to get, can, can I get a good... Can I convince you to go back to the hyperstephalus? The hy- can I convince you to go? Can I convince you to go back to the hyperhidrosis? Because it's like, it, what if you just maybe you drank a different like? Uh, you give holy water blessing. What if you drank some kind of interesting fluid like like a kind of Gatorade kind of uh, electrolyte thing yeah. where you had like magical things that would come out of your hands? Mm-hmm. Just like like it's almost like you'd be the Wolverine, but it'd be very elegant. Could like, yeah, that's basically like, what I was. The first two rows are splash zones. <laughs> or you could, yeah. but no, you could just baptize people though. You could also just walk up and like healed or baptized. You're okay, healed. So, so I, I my could have po- also made up some <laughs> stuff like that. Okay, sorry, I didn't. So no, none of this thing. So now here's the thing though. So they finally, part of what we're, why we were interested in this is that is that there are all sorts of reasons why you go to church and it's this it's this social thing in addition to whatever yeah. it is for your beliefs and your family. You're going there and people people are kind of misinterpreting, maybe, why it is that you're coming late. Right. You, you don't love Jesus enough. That's why you're running right. late. Oh, yes. Or sure. why you're avoiding the pastor yeah. again for the oh, handshake. Oh, it's because my hair is curled door. so nice and I had to wait. My hair, you know, it's just there's there's different things like whatever. Like, I don't know. To say that I wasn't 
aware of other people making judgments about why we were late or why we walked in late or why I don't want to shake their hands. I would always act occupied. Bob and Sue Frohart, Chris's parents, would come in. and They, they can run they, some cover for they, you. They were. They yeah. would try. Like, they would try <laughs> to run cover. They know, oh, Amber, you got to come to the music, though. Like, because I'm going to skip the music because after the music you is the handshake. You do a good Sue impersonation. It's good. So, uh, Oh, yeah. Just the pronunciation of though, that's all. <laughs> but, so after the music is the handshaking, so we'll wait till the music is done, wait till the handshaking is finished, and then we'll come in. Well, Bob and Sue want us to come, come enjoy the music. So we'll come enjoy the music, but like, you could just talk to me, shake my hand the whole time. But there is somebody that is always so persistent that is like trying to make eye contact. And Sue's like, oh, we're shaking hands the whole time. But regardless, <laughs> I'm going always to that have somebody. to shake they will like, they'll go three bleachers down. It doesn't matter. Like they're scaling chairs. They want to shake everybody's hand in the vicinity. And I know that's so whose well. face. Yes. Stacy, do you know this? Have you ever said him? Amber's so right. I do. That I person do. in church that will shake your hand. They'll, yeah. they'll walk a mile. And then there's some, and there are, to get to and there are some churches too that every single person will shake every single now, person. And that's I will fine. Say, no, I'm once, sure their intentions are it's very great nice. if you're not you. Yeah, you're not down on it. <laughs> just, because this is true. I don't, I don't like it because I just feel uncomfortable at, at my university on Friday at chapel. Everybody gives a high five. It makes me very uncomfortable. I don't know why. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't like ra- high-fiving random students. And they call it High Five Fridays. High Five Fridays. It's great. Yeah. For some people, for me, it's very, very uncomfortable. It's not that I don't love Jesus. It's not and that it's I want to play that, ball. And it's not that you don't like the other person. And that I, I love them. You know, you want to you send but love. But there are all these ways in which we are not necessarily understood properly Correct. in these contexts. Now, the passing of the peace, all right. The shaking of the hands, all right. There are people that have other responses, other ways in which they might be emotionally and then therefore physically reacting to just being in church. And so we're not trying to make fun of our dear friend Amber. We're just trying to let Amber help us. It feels like it right now. No. No, do you feel that way? (laughs) Oh, good, good, good. Can I shake your hand? (laughs) (laughs) She can't now. She can't now. Dry, dry, by the way. I have no no rational reason to to be afraid to to high-five somebody. But there's a way in which, as I think if we go back to something that you said, and that is that people would say, don't worry, you can be intimate with me, you yeah. can, you know, I'll just know you for who you are and not judge and not be disgusted or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they kind of didn't come through for you sometimes. Yeah, for <laughs> like, sure. like, yeah. Like, no, there's a lot of Come text. just as you are. They, they try. I mean, they try. And that's cool. Like, I mean, that's cool that they try. But regardless... I see at the end when they wipe their hand on their pants. Yeah. <laughs> to wipe. I mean, but, but I don't know. I don't You're not them. blaming I mean, you them. You're not down on them. sweat all over your hand. You're going to want to wipe it off. But also, like, their face where like, oh, damn, like, their face changes. So. And we didn't want you to share your story to make people feel bad that they're not good church members, right? Because, no. like, oh. since sometimes we don't go... That doesn't make us better people for no. not doing the right thing when we shake hands. It's just that it's that, that there are so many deep issues that are deeper in a certain sense. But although I think this is a really heavy thing that you, you told us. I mean, yes. it, it made me cry inside and because also- it's so hard. <laughs> but I mean, there's other things, though. Uh, uh, what we're saying, friends, is have so much compassion on people that seem don't to be put off by your church service. There might be something 
that's not even what you think it is. It could be something so, so much deeper. Right, right. And there is a happy ending to the story. There right? is a happy ending to the story. <laughs> yeah. So, Amber, you did find a, a cure yes, that works. Yes, there's some... Wait, so I started a new job, something, and I it's with papers, and it's with shaking hands. So I kind of went on a whole <laughs> that's your new... Whole, like, that is your whole job. <laughs> that's, you my two, like, that's my kryptonite, sh- both of them. <laughs> so, How did you even apply for this job? I don't know. So, You've conquered it. Yes. Yeah, so I did some more research, and there was this machine, took a gamble ordered it from germany and it's 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 kind of like electrocution um <laughs> i suppose <laughs> it's very much like electrocution well, it's electric but, so there's these trays and there's and water you, and there's electricity and it electrocutes me you get the positive and the negative uh-huh. things you know but hooked it makes up my to hands these trays. And dry and, so you, and because of that you just zap your hands for a while your i feet. don't have that anxious reaction like i mean having to do even this interview Two years ago, I would have been in like a shaky mess. My voice would have been shaky because mm. the fact that my hands and feet would have been like in a puddle on the floor right now would have made everything shaky. What you're saying is you found a, a technique, a, yes. a therapy mm-hmm. that allows you to just simply have your hands and feet not sweat. Yes. Seems really just like a thing. Right. Yep. But I would say from what we can tell, even from the last time we visited, you're just the same sweet person as ever, mm-hmm. but you feel like you could take on the world. I feel like you're a big person, and me and Stacy are kids that came to stay so much at the house. Now. Yeah, yeah you, you seem have a like lot more confidence. you've got this power, this mm-hmm. boldness, and it was just this one thing that you couldn't control. And then you had you had this, and you're saying before you would have you're talking to your like dork friends with like your you got this <laughs> nerd equipment that we're all hooked up to, like the yeah. mics and stuff. Yeah, and that would have made you have this physical physical reaction. There's some instances. To like, oh, softball party, come meet everybody. Oh, I hear your kids are playing softball. You're going to go to a little potluck, whatever. The families are going to get together, and you're going to shake a thousand hands. And, well, not a thousand, but probably like 20. And then every, your hand is going to be sweat. I'm going to be sweating profusely that entire time. And then I have to work my way out of that. So, like, mm. hi, this is my first impression. I have a super sweaty hand. And now yeah. I'm going to have to, like, yeah. Try harder. Can't just be like, shake a hand and this is who I am, a regular conversation. It was always different, but yeah, I don't know. So now you don't have to worry about that. I don't. But you're don't going but you're going in it. now, you're you're you you've in your career and everything, you know, you've yes. got your paper, your dry paper. I have dry paper. <laughs> sometimes sometimes my hands are so dry I can't even like flip the pages. So we <laughs> neither dispense psychoanalytic advice nor psychiatric advice, nor medical advice, nor trauma but first is, response advice. If anybody advice. out there has we're hyperhidrosis. Edu- we're e- we, that's what I'm saying. We're getting there. <laughs> we're educational reformers, yeah. and uh, we want to help you, the dear listener, to be empowered to, you know, to be able to solve problems in your life or overcome hurdles and so forth. So so in all those things, we are also not able to, to give you medical advice about mm. what your feet and hands might experience through this therapy, but you've got to tell the good listener, what on earth is this, uh, what's it called? How could, if somebody was, uh, was dealing with the same yes. condition? So I'm entirely certain I'm going to pronounce it incorrect. But if we can, it's a German company. It, it is a German company. Show. It's like Hydrex, H-I-D-R-E-X. But it comes from Germany. You could get it in the U.S., but it's not like FDA approved or something. Then you have to go see a doctor and get a prescription and all this kind of stuff. But you get the machine. Did from you get Germany. a prescription? Oh no, I don't. Know. 
So you can, well, like I don't, I don't go through, like, you know, I get uh, acupuncture needles and that's technically illegal. No. But it's not hurting nobody. I could use guitar strings. Just get it from Germany. It's fine. It's the same thing. So, but you found there's a company in in Germany that makes this. We'll put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, so if you have anybody in your life that deals with this, maybe you didn't even think of it. I'm, I'm sure if you were dealing with it in the, in the, to the extent that Amber did, then you, you know darn well what you're dealing with. But if, uh, if you never even thought to, to figure out that this was a condition and not just you being nervous all the time, uh, you might want to check this out. By the way, Jeff, I have yes. another question. So oh, yes, I, like- I used to pray all the time that oh, like if Jesus would just take my sweaty hands and oh, my sweaty hands beat away, yeah. I would do like some cool stuff for him, right? But like it never really happened. And then I got this cool machine and then I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like now I'm going to go to church every Sunday. Well, that, that's oh, not yeah. really in the car so far, right? This is good. So we never, we never, we don't go to church every Sunday, even though my sweaty hands and feet have been taken away for like over a year and a half. So you're saying, but I just feel like he's just gonna take them back now. Like I'm just be like, <laughs> look, I gave you a lot of amount of time. I gave you two years. You didn't, you didn't do what you said you were gonna do, and now I'm um, sweaty hands and feet are back. So if you stayed up really late on a Saturday night, yep, and it was Sunday no- uh, Sunday morning, and you were tired, mm-hmm. would you? feel like a little bit like you wished you had the excuse that your hands are sweaty so you could just keep sleeping. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I would go to church, put my hands, and then Jesus is like, yes, Amber. <laughs> like, oh, what? darn it. <laughs> you know, no, feel like you, feel you like wake that, up though. from a dream and you're not sure you're, like, you're happy or sad that the dream was real. <laughs> no, or another way, you, sometimes you I wake up from like... a dream, you're not sure if you're happy that like, basically like it is. wasn't real yeah. or you're sad. Yeah. That it wasn't real. Maybe I'll wake up from a dream tomorrow and all this was nonsense. I didn't start a business. I don't deal with papers, dry papers all day. And then like, oh, this is what your life could have been. But you didn't fulfill your It would promise. be the opposite. It would be like a horror version. It would be a horror version of, of It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> well, this could be your life, but your hands are still clammy. And you didn't fulfill your promise. So if, if God... That's all Jesus. If, if God... Loved you. No... If if God gave conditional love, then that could be the result. Yes. But that is not the God of the universe. This God is not doesn't care. Not a conditional doesn't care God. that you put in enough hours of, of uh Jesus fan club. <laughs> I know. For, like, your, well, for we, your hands. Like we helped you out. I'm not gonna lie that I don't worry about you it. You think so. about it a little bit? Yeah. Well, like, too bad. Well, we, we better go. We better go soon. You wouldn't be the first. Because then my machine's going to break, and it's going to be all my fault. <laughs> uh, you should, it's going to take seven weeks for that stuff to get here from Germany. Can I say this, I'm going to have it all back. I do <laughs> think you should probably order a backup machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might because order three. Pray hard, but go back to Germany's website. <laughs> Done. But not, but, not, but not because God is going to make this one stop working, but just so that you don't have downtime. For yeah. if, because if tools, tools again. break, yep. tools break, right? Yep. And, and so machinery breaks. So that's probably not a bad idea. Getting a second <laughs> backup of something that is that important to you. If y'all are looking what to get me for Christmas, I can send you the link. A second zapper <laughs> <laughs> from Germany. Can you please tell Amber she's absolved? Can you please tell her that God does not, if you, is not a God right. that, Wait, you're do it, that you work deals with. No, this is with. not coming from me because I ain't no priest. Okay. This is coming from all the good listeners. So right now, good listener, just mm-hmm. give yourself a little snap. You know, remember when uh, in, in uh, Peter Pan? <laughs> in Peter Pan, when, uh, when Tinkerbell, she wasn't doing so good? 
and they told everybody in the audience, if you clap, then they'll bring the, the fairy back to life. So friends, just right now, just right, right there for you, for your own self, for Amber Frohart, for those people that just can't, just can't get over this weird sense of guilt that they got to pay God back for just a slight blessing. Just give a little snap. Little snap. And as you snap right now, friends, I, I can hear it all around the world, like little crickets of joy, a little crickets of hope. All right, so that's good. My hands just started sweating profusely. <laughs> and snapping <laughs> hard. Moment snapping hard. I don't have to excuse anyway, myself. Well, that's just because, yeah. you were, just because you were feeling, you know, the power <laughs> of all the snapping people around the world saying, we all are in this together, and we are so glad that your hands and feet are better. But even sweaty or no sweaty, you're Amber. You are the greatest. Thank you for letting us uh, park yes. our RV in front of your house. If you ever meet me, uh, feel free to shake my hand. Or give her a fist bump if your hands are profusely <laughs> <Yeah>. sweaty. <laughs> yes, fist bump. Totally fine with that. <laughs> Thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP. And rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said there wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? That's because you found this letter low too much.